What's up, beautiful beings? Welcome back to the Ebb and Flow Radio. My name is Stephen Jaggers, and I am your host. On this podcast, we pick apart the powerful and potent patterns of movement, mindset, and health masters. And today, I sit down with Nathan Kollerman, who is uh, probably one of the most adept movement coaches that I know um, in training people physically and spiritually. He has found a way to connect both of those so well every time i get to hang out with him i learn so much from him um and in this podcast we go deep Um, we go deep into his story and man there's so many so many gold nuggets in here so check it out leave me a review on itunes as always i read all of those and uh i am just so thankful it helps me and my little podcast grow so much so um, share it if you can share it on social media go check out nathan's social media because he puts out more value um more content applicable content than i have seen anybody do and he's you know through the whole quarantine made a huge pivot to online and is just putting out so much so go check him out uh his link is at the end of the show and uh let me know what you think peace All right, so I'm here with my brother Nathan Kohlerman. He is the founder and CEO of New Intention Health and Wellness, where he is redefining human optimization. Reinventing or redefining? Redefining. Redefining human optimization through mind, body, and soul. It's a pleasure being here with you, brother. Thank you, brother. Always. <laughs> it's always, always a pleasure connecting. Um, I always learn so much from you. And uh, it's just a pleasure just being in the space with you. So first question that I kind of have for you is, you know, you are trained in so many different modalities. You know, you're a certified personal trainer, certified exercise, corrective exercise coach, correct? Yeah. Um, Certified animal flow, functional range conditioning, uh, DNS, is that dynamic neuromuscular stabilization? Yeah. Amazing. I would love to get into that a little bit because I'm super interested in that. That's that's some magic. Almost. Um, how do you explain to somebody like what it is you do, like right now, right in the ever ever evolving world that we live in? Like, how do you explain right now what it is you? Yeah. So I guess you know, like in, instead of having a long drawn out explanation, it's it's quite simple. Uh, you know, I assess movement. I assess the potential that somebody's body has of producing, right? Because when we look at the way the body moves, we are a spiral engine of locomotion. We see that we are interconnected and, and intertwined human beings, you know, through, you know, fascia, if you want to look at the scientific standpoint. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how we also learn how to use our breath to stabilize using different tissues and different um, structures to, to absorb shock and then how to stabilize that shock in the body and then how to store and translate energy. Like that is the f- overall functionality of our body. So looking at movement, it's a, it's a great and really powerful way of the body's expression to show you if there might be something wrong. And it does give you these signs, whether it be pain, whether it be discomfort, whether it be just a maybe a lack of coordination even, or lack of balance mm. is, a, is a very common thing that I hear. And essentially what I do is I, I look at the movement and I look at what could be the root cause of this issue. Mm. You know, not looking at a, a symptom. If somebody's shoulder hurts, right, I'm going to say, okay, what's going on with the shoulder? I'll address the shoulder. But I'm always gonna ask the question, what if it's something else? Right, because we are interconnected, and, and quite frankly, if we have you know a, a, a shitty hip, right, yeah. chances are it's going to run upstream or downstream. I love that. Right, so it's just not saying like, oh, your hip issue is coming from your big toe, but saying the big toe could be a contribution to the hip mm. because of everything else that moves up in that stream. So essentially, I am assessing movement, I'm optimizing the movement using these different modalities, whatever the case may be. And again, it's very specific on somebody's goal, 
and it's going to be very specific. If they're in pain, chances are I'm, I'm probably going to use DNS because chances are they're not breathing properly, they're not stabilizing properly. They may think they're engaging their core, but they don't really understand how to actually do it. When we look at like the DNS model, for example, we look at the abnormal models, which um, in society we've been conditioned to suck our, our stomachs in, we've been conditioned when we brace to flex our abs and squeeze and, and do those things. But in DNS, the, the overall optimal model is we want to see expansion. We want to see the diaphragm doing its purpose, mm. right? The diaphragm is not just a respiration muscle, it's a stabilization muscle. It has three functions, which the third being sphincter. But, you know, we don't really want to address sphincter function when we're about to move. So we want to master the dual function of the diaphragm. And then the other side of the DNS model is like how we learn to develop and move as children. We don't hear about children having injuries or dysfunction. A lot of the time in children, we see that we may have some developmental motor control issues, right? You may see, you know, kids who are learning to walk and they're always on their toes, but they're not heel striking, mm-hmm. right? That's a developmental motor, not a dysfunction, but a, but a, a learning abnormality that in, in the normal cycle, we want to see a heel strike. We want to see when a, a baby goes from the squat and transitions to standing and transitions to walking. We want to see that the proper steps are, are being done before, right? So when we can look at the entire model itself, it's, you know, are we using developmental positions? Are we stable on the ground before we stand up? You know, we in traditional training have been conditioned to be in a standing posture a lot of the times, yeah. standing barbell curls, back squat, all these different things. But can you get up from the ground? Right. Can you sit in a squat? Can we roll? Can we position ourselves on our elbow? A lot of people, when they position themselves on their elbow, you see that they just immediately collapse and the shoulder Mm. starts to come into the neck. And then we wonder why we have neck issues. And then we wonder why we have an imbalance in the trunk when we're so used to collapsing or sitting to one side, you know, and all these things are just taken into consideration. It's just these principles that I look at and based on these developmental positions that we find in DNS, based on the movement and based on the dysfunction that I see, I can then select one of these positions, which neurologically we are conditioned to know and then retraining the stability pattern behind it. Mm. And then I bring the FRC system into it and saying, if we're going to properly centrate or stack and jack our joint to ensure that we're stable, right? It's where like we stack and jack, right? So it's like we're stacking the joint in its proper position. Okay. Because a lot of the times, even when we're doing like a, a shoulder press, right, the shoulder, the glenohumeral joint will start to rotate in a different way that we may not want it to. Mm. And then we see like lateral shearing, right? Or we see a lateral rotation of it instead of it actually sitting in the socket. Yeah. Right. Because what happens then too, it's not only does it cause muscle imbalance on either end of the joint, but now it's also, you know, a common term that's used in, in this place is impingement. You can almost see that it's impinging the, the nerve because our nerves travel through our joints. Mm-hmm. And if we were pinching off a nerve, which communicates to the muscle, how will we have adequate communication from our brain to the muscle? Yeah. Right? It's, it's blocking the signal for from you to be able to use other parts of your body. Then you start to develop other movement issues, movement patterns. It's so interesting how, you know, we know all of this from birth as a child and we're trying to get back to that, but like moving through our world, our world is conditioned in a way where we don't even look at this. Like we don't even, and not just our body, but our minds, our, our thought patterning. Um, we just, we get conditioned by our world and a lot of the time it's trying to go back to the beginning and like really repattern or reprogram from that clean slate. Right. And it's just setting a new foundation, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like, and they teach us that around the age of three and four, right? We fall out of that diaphragm breathing pattern. Like if you ever see a baby on their back breathing, right? You don't ever see a, a baby really chest breathing. You don't. Unless they're trying to calm down from crying, which is what a stress reaction. 
Yeah, a baby doesn't care if its belly's hanging out. Exactly. You know, we're not trying to. They're not trying to suck their belly in. Right. <laughs> and then, like my theory, right, is just like what happens around the age of three or four. We normally in our society, what we go to preschool, we mm. go to a nanny, we get separated from our mother, we get separated from our father, and that is like, in my opinion, the first time the baby transitioning from that toddler phase into adolescence actually experiences stress and detachment. So it's no wonder why we fall into these patterns. So I wanted, that's so interesting because I've been really trying to delve into stress a little bit because stress is so interesting. So if we put the right amount of stress, it causes us to grow. You know, you stress a muscle just enough and then you give yourself adequate rest and rehabilitation, it's going to grow. Or we put ourselves in a stressful situation and we overcome that we usually grow, but also stress is the number one killer as well. It's like if we put ourselves in too much stress, then we're not able to repair. We're not able to fight things off. Our immune system is weakened. So like, how do we figure out that, that like, and, and I can see you as a personal trainer or maybe just any personal trainer, we're trying to, you know, alchemize the perfect amount of stress for this person to get them to grow but not too much to where they're hurting themselves. Like, what do you think the healthy amount of stress is or how? So, I mean, I guess that would, that would make sense that you're first trying to, um, evaluate to see where their movement patterns is, but maybe if you can elaborate on. Right. I mean, like I've always gone by the methodology of assess, don't guess, you know, if we're not assessing movement and our quality and our potential, how will we actually know? But are we actually assessing and checking in with ourselves with our stress? Mm. Self-assessment. Exactly. You know, and that's what I like to teach my clients. Yeah. Like I ask them the minute they walk in, how are you feeling mentally? How are you feeling yeah. emotionally? How are you feeling physically? Mm. Right? How are you feeling if it, if it applies? How are you feeling spiritually today? Do you feel connected? Mm. Because all of those factors come into play. Absolutely. You know, and it's a case by case basis. There is no perfect amount of stress for everybody. It's just the fact of discernment and management. Are we discerning, you know, what is the adequate amount of stress for this body? Yeah. Right. And are we managing it properly? And where are we at on a day to day basis? Because it's, it's interesting, you know, I would, I would give you the archetype of a healer. You know, you are a healer, but I try to stay away from that term because no one heals another person. We as, as quote unquote healers can help put this person in position for them to heal themselves. So it's like, I just forgot where I was going with that. But, um, how do, like, how do we fit or how do we help this person become aware of themselves so they can quote unquote heal themselves? And what I'm thinking is like, where, so what movements do you start off with? Like when you're assessing somebody, All right? So, yeah, I mean, I look at their walk first and foremost, then from the walk, I look at their deep squat. And I look at it from this front side and back just to have a general understanding because to preface this, when we look at movement variability and we look at the way different muscles respond to different movements, right? If I tell somebody to squat one time, the squat will never be the same the second time ever, 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 ever. That is what functional range conditioning actually promotes is to enhance our movement variability, more degrees of movement means more degrees of expression, more degrees of freedom mm -hmm. to move in those ways. Because if we don't have the same squat back to back, we want to make sure that we're most efficient in each time, right? So I do look at also the movement efficiency behind it. Is this squat different than the last, right? And I can see from the front side and back, like a very compare, comparative way that, you know, I've assessed enough bodies to look at it mm -hmm. and be able to see that, but just to have a general understanding but then I'll use different assessments that I've learned through uh, functional movement systems, FMS. I'll use different movements from my corrective exercise with NESM, DNS, all these fancy acronyms 
but then I look at their single leg hip flexion test. And when they're sitting on a table, when they lift one leg up, what happens to the trunk? What happens to the leg they're lifting? What happens to the leg that's on the bed? Where is the instability occurring? And then I might, might look at the active straight leg raise test just to see, okay, can you lift your leg straight up in the air? Do you have quote unquote yeah. tight hamstrings? Because yeah. chances are if you have tight hamstrings, you have weak hamstrings. And I know where to go from there. And that's something that I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand. And I wanted to, to get into this a, a little bit. The question that I have for you, and I feel like that you could, you could probably delve into this pretty well, is like, what is the difference between mobility and flexibility? 100%. And that's what a lot of the movements, and I have about eight other movements that I'll assess, you know, and I'll use different movement tests from different systems, just depending on who it is, right? And those are just the first four. Um, but now, mobility and flexibility are very similar in a way in nature, but very much different because both give us an idea, an expression of how the body operates. Right? They're very similar. We can measure flexibility and we can measure mobility. We can look at these things objectively and say, your passive range of motion that you seek in flexibility is much different than your active range of motion in mobility. And that's the difference with passive versus active. Because with passive mobility, passive range of motion, that essentially looks at what is the entire range of motion that this tissue can tolerate? Mm. Whereas active range of motion says, how much of that range of motion can we actively control throughout the entire range of motion, mm. right? That's like saying, okay, I want you to fold over and just touch your toes. Flexibility. An so active straight passive, leg raise. That's a passive hamstring. Right. Okay. But an active straight leg raise when somebody's on their back and they have to physically lift their leg up off the bed, mm. right, can tell me, okay, well, this is the active version of that. Rather than us surrendering to gravity, we're now resisting gravity. And that's just like one example. You know, whereas in a shoulder, I might check their internal external rotation test, right? I might just hold their arm in place and bend it back, bend it forward. Okay, this is what we've got. But then if I tell them to do a shoulder mobility test where they have to reach one arm over their head behind their back and try to touch the other hand up their spine, and then I have them reverse it, I can now measure active external rotation, active internal rotation. Mm. So there's a difference. But then I can just use these things and saying, okay, we have this many degrees, right? And by standard, we should have this many degrees, right? With passive range of motion, it gives us an objective measure to see if we are creating a biological change over time in the tissue. Whereas mobility, I want to see a biological and a more physiological, neurological change in the amount of control somebody has over their body. So you're developing, you're helping them develop the mind-body connection in a way? Exactly. So that they actually have control over their body. Right. And that's why like the FRS system, which is functional range conditioning, kin stretch, FR, all those things, mm -hmm. they use the hashtag control yourself. That is mm -hmm. their motto, control yourself. Because, you know, and I like to use yoga as a perfect example of this. Yeah. They promote very bendy postures, right? Mm -hmm. All of those movements, all of those positions, they're postures, yeah. right? And posture is what? It's a resting state. Us leaning over our desk is a posture. Us standing up tall is a posture. Us sitting down is a posture. There is no such thing as perfect posture yeah. because nobody's body is the same. Right? So these mm -hmm. postures that we're put in, we, you know, in yoga, what I've experienced is that it is trained to stretch. It is trained to find that passive range and hold that position for X amount of time. But you can only bend so far until you break. I've experienced that. Right. <laughs> so how far are we going to stretch something until it tears? Mm. Now, couldn't we imagine a way to now develop a stretch, but then create strength within the stretch, right? Can we start training the tissue in that fully lengthened state to withstand a capacity and increase the capacity of the tissue so it doesn't overload and cause an injury? Yeah. Right. And you know, my mind, I, th I think of it in a, in a very 
dualistic perspective. Like we have act, active, which is like activation and passive, which is relaxation. And we have to have those equal in a way, or that's the goal at least is we're trying to be able to have those in a balanced place. Because if we have, you know, an imbalance there where our passive range of motion is so much more than our ability to activate, that puts us at risk of injury. Right. Because the body is always striving for balance in all ways. Right. I mean, just us and our human experience, we yeah. are. You know, but it's it's interesting. This kind of goes back to the talk that we were talking about before where, you know, the next day you may not be as flexible. The next day you may not be as mobile, mm-hmm. right? Because, and this is a perfect time now, people are going to be walking back in the gym just trying to lift the same amount of weight that they were before but they have to understand that they don't have the same strength. They have to understand that they don't have the same range of motion. They have to understand that they don't have the same neural drive or the brain's ability to communicate to that muscle telling it how much force to produce. So when you, when we go back to the subject of like, you know, just because you walk in one day and you feel fine, the next day you feel like crap. Yeah. Right. And this goes back to stress. Mm. Right. And no squat is ever the same. All these different principles and all these different things that come up. It's also saying, you know, we're stretching ourselves to a point every single day thinking that's what it is, but our body keeps the score of what also happens in our mind. Mm. So the way we sleep, the amount of stress that we carry will influence the way our body responds and expresses itself as well. And that's something that isn't really talked about. You know, because Absolutely. it's like that perfect amount of stress, but stress is so variable all the time. Stress can be influenced by just something you might eat an hour before or two hours before, right? Yeah, or a text message you received from your girlfriend yeah. or... Right, just any type of external influence <laughs> will cause stress. So it's again, coming back to like checking in with yourself. Mm, assessment, right. self-assessment. Right, and, and assessing yourself and what your capacity is and what your threshold is. Mm. and being able to navigate that. So you are helping people, you are helping people with a set or you're assessing them in the beginning. Do you show them like self-assessment tools or maybe do you have any like specific self-assessment tools for yourself, maybe physically or mentally that you practice? Oh yeah. I mean, I use cars as an assessment. That's what the FRA what, is. That's what the is functional cars? rate assessment. It's for people who don't know. What so the cars are controlled articular rotations. That's mm-hmm. what they teach us in the FRC. And that's yeah. taking the joint and exploring your range through the full range of motion. Mm-hmm. And me, because I know myself and I know the function yeah. of the joint, if I feel like something is restricted, I know exactly what I'm lacking, mm-hmm. right? And my workout a day or two days before that may influence that. Right, but can I use something to just move the joint, take care of the capsule, and start balancing the tension around the capsule, right, to restore what I may have lost or what to restore what may, may feel restricted, and what things I can do to maybe help mitigate that tension, or just having the self awareness to be like, that doesn't feel good today, so maybe I should just let it be. Mm to be and let it be. And maybe I can just do something else. No, man, you should push through it because you want to get those gains. Yeah, right? harder, not smarter, right? Because <laughs> that's always worked. <laughs> yeah, and maybe maybe you need to push yourself to an in, the point of an injury to then actually... Which I have. Yeah. And that's the reason I know. And you've learned from it. Right. I mean, just coming from like bodybuilding and powerlifting, mm-hmm. being 253 pounds, not able to scratch my back, not being able to sit on the ground and play with my kids... Like, and, and also going through an, an extreme hand injury that, you know, I had to go through a rehabilitation process. Mm. There is a level of experience that I have to where it's saying, I don't want to experience that ever again. Mm. So just having that experience, I can also feel into like how other people are feeling with that. You know, when yeah. people come to see me for injuries, it's like, we don't need to push through the pain all the time. You know, this is what they teach us and like mindfulness practices Mm -hmm. and how to shift our mindset and all these things. It's like, just observe it and move around it. We don't need to push through it every single time because that's Mm -hmm. what we were conditioned to. Right. And this is something I talk about with like the men's coaching. It's like, we've been conditioned as men to 
grind harder, to rub some dirt on it, to suck it up, and to just do it. But like, that's not spoken about to like actually withdraw from that and be vulnerable enough to say, you know what, that doesn't that doesn't feel good, and mm. you know, yeah, it hurts. So I'm not gonna do it. Like, but I'm gonna observe it. I'm gonna explore it. But I'm not gonna like obsessively, you know, dive into it. And I'm not gonna try to push through through each and every barrier. And do I think that boundaries need to be pushed sometimes? Mm. Because like you said, the perfect amount of stress. Yeah. Allows us to grow. But again, having the discernment, is this serving me or is this hurting me? There's a very thin line. Also like there's a very thin line between pain and discomfort, Mm. right? If you're uncomfortable, chances are, I want you to do it. If you're in pain, I don't want you to do it. What, if you could define the difference between those two, like discomfort and pain, do you have like a, it's, it's hard. It's hard to explain. It's very hard, you know, because just me <laughs> and how I operate and how I think, the first thing that comes to mind is like, okay, pain, like, is it emotional pain? Is it, is it physical pain? What's the pain that you're actually Which is usually connected. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times it is because your yeah. physical pain normally causes emotional pain. Your emotional pain causes physical pain. It's, you know, the body keeps the score. It does. Isn't that a trip how it goes? It goes back and forth and and you can it's not one or the other because you know coming from you know my audience is probably more spiritual audience i find a lot of people that they think everything you know the energetic is what affects the physical but it's like we can flip that and use the physical to affect the energetic mm-hmm. and it's like when I work with people or when you work with people you're very body oriented you're trying to get their body to, to affect or to move in the best way it can what do you see with your clients like a shift in mind state do you see a shift in emotional state like when they release this physical issue like I mean we can go into that deeply but 100% like even you know the guy who I worked with before you mm-hmm. Like he came in, his head was down, his shoulders were slumped. He was very down and felt very depressed. I can tell he had this like feeling of hopelessness, mm. right? The energy that he was getting. And I can feel into that. You know, yeah. I feel into that and I, I, I definitely can relate, you know, but then the minute they walk out, they're standing taller, they're smiling. Mm. They have a sense of gratitude that maybe they didn't have before. I could hear that. Right. From the other room. <laughs> and now... You, I can start seeing like the energetic shift within them, mm. right? And I also let them know when I'm working with them, I also let them know, like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's your problem, right? But really look at other things that might be going on. How did you sleep? Did you get in an argument with your wife or your husband yesterday, right? Is, mm. Are you really heavily burdened by things, right? Looking at metaphysical aspects of pain too, the things that we cannot see, but the yeah. things that might be affecting us on a d- deeper level, that's when I'm working with people, I just talk to them. And in those conversations, we were talking about this before where it's like, you're just, it's based on the conversation you're having. How deeply are we connecting? What are they opening up to? What are they really saying? Mm. You know, and, and are we as practitioners, as healers, as what I like to use is a facilitator or as a guide, a guide, right? are we asking the right questions to create their own breakthrough Mm. rather than us feeling like we're having to fix them or heal them, right? Are they able to fix and heal themselves? It's always an interesting dance of being a guide or a facilitator is when you can ask that right question that gets them to go internal and make the shift and then you see them kind of repattern or, or make the change from that point instead of telling them, Hey, you should do this. You should do that. Right. It's like, I mean, that's the foundation of coaching is really, or, or, or being a quote unquote healer is just mm-hmm. asking them the right question for them to go inside and, and take a look at what's going on internally and make the shift from the internal out. Right. And that's, Again, like we, we had talked about this before about you expressed to me that I do a great job at bringing the spiritual into the physical, into the physical practice. 
And, you know, you had mentioned before, you know, I have a very spiritual audience and like we've even had this conversation before where spirituality is a very loosely thrown term. And I don't think it's a, it's really can be defined, but you, you just define it as going inward Mm. and like going inward and expanding self assessment. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's a very spiritual experience. And if people can come see me, and if I'm asking the right questions for them to have a spiritual experience, an inner experience, an in-body experience, rather than an out-of-body experience, is where, yeah. you know... God is in your spine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite quotes. It's like, boom. <laughs> well, it's so true. It's like, we say, like, so... Where do you go to worship? You go to the temple. The body is the temple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And do... So that's... I mean... Really, we're going down to... Like, self-assessment is spirituality. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Explosion. Yeah. Um, I did a podcast with my buddy Sam and it's, yeah, it's like, um, developing a self inquiry practice Mm -hmm. is huge. And that's something that most people want to, most people, when they have an issue, they want to go someone and have them tell them what to do instead of just like cutting out the (laughs) middleman. Right. But if that were the case with everybody, we'd be out of jobs. That's true. That's so true. <laughs> so it keeps. So it's necessary. It's necessary. But that's why like, people need a reflection too. It's sure. so much easier to have somebody else to see, and then hold space, mm-hmm. and maybe provide a reflection of, "Hey, this is what I'm seeing that's going on," and then make changes from there. Yeah, I mean, even just on that like self in, in introspective you know, process, you know, like even just waking up and checking in. And this is what, what I have my clients do is sort of waking up and checking their Instagram. Right. <laughs> Which all, we all do it. We all do it. <laughs> I did it this morning. I did. But you know, it's like checking in, like, how are you feeling mentally? How are you feeling emotionally? How are you feeling physically? And how are you feeling spiritually? You know, and just like asking those four questions, like normally leads us to the path of which we're going to take for that day. So, mm-hmm. Well, I don't feel very good emotionally right now. Like I, sh- I might want to figure that out before I start my day, right? Mm-hmm. And just go inward on that. You don't have that that period where we can check in, self assess, and to have that experience to then you know move forward. And like you said, it's creating the right amount of stress in that moment, like feeling into that stress, but then moving around it and through it rather than just pushing through the pain of the day. Yeah. Covering up the symptom. Right. Feel it. <laughs> you have to feel, you have to go there. You feel it to heal it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we can move forward a little bit. You know, we're just getting ready to like come out of quarantine. And like you said, everyone's getting ready to go back to the gym. It has been such a, inspiration watching you pivot your business overnight and shift from a very, you know, because most of your stuff is in person with people working with their bodies and shifting all of that to online, to creating an online community, to to providing um, so much resource for people to check in with themselves. How has this whole quarantine experience been for you and maybe like has there been like a huge takeaway of this whole online boom yeah i mean if i were to sit here and say it's been great i'd be lying yeah there's do you enjoy doing the connection over online or like i would say it's to me personally like that's why i have the connection calls it's because I do crave that interaction. I do want that that one-on-one connection. I love it. Mm. But now, just looking at the entirety, I knew that I had to step out of that. And I had to really just check into myself and, and ask myself, do I need this or is this the preference I can dance with? 
Mm. And then it's just a preference because as long as I'm helping people, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So, you know, being as how I'm still working with people in person for sure, it's substantially less than it was before. Yeah. But now I'm able to pivot in a direction where I wanted to build an online community. I wanted to bring as many people into what I was doing as possible, where I can offer as much value as I could, because I know that everybody was under extreme conditions and not making money and stuck at home and they didn't have a lot of resources. And I wanted them to have a dependable person and a dependable source to go to for help. And if they needed me past that point, I'm, I'm available. Like I, I, they knew I was there, right? So like me pivoting my business, it wasn't so much like pivoting my whole business model. Yeah. It was just adapting to the changes that needed to happen. And in turn, yeah, I built up a little bit on my, you know, online clients. Yeah, you were I, rewarded for that, brother. You showed up for your community. You showed up from a heart-centered place as, as someone who's there to help. And, you know, you're reaping the, the benefits of that as well. But it's, it's been an honor to watch that. Is there anything that you would have done differently from the beginning of, of that whole quarantine process or, or shifting? I, if I would have done anything differently, I probably wouldn't have responded to fear as intensely as I did in some circumstances. To like, the virus or to... The no, not to the virus. Um, I mean, I was never really concerned with it in the first place, to be honest because I was looking at the data, I was looking at the things they were saying, but I saw so much convoluted information all over the place, Yeah, I decided not to partake in it. Mm. I think I may have shared one or two little conspiracy things, but I mean, the only reason I did is because it made sense to Absolutely. me. And I'm gonna share whatever makes sense to me. If people don't like it, that's not my problem, that's not my work. You know, I'm gonna share the things in which I hear that I, I, I do find truth in, for sure. Mm. But in the ways of like opportunity, right? Because everybody around was like, hey man, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Hey, I've got a great opportunity for you. This, 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 right? Yeah. And I've always been the type of guy to be like, you know, I got this. I can do this. Yeah. I can do everything. I can do anything. I can do it alone. Yeah. But that's very not true. <laughs> not sustainable at all. You know, so I think the one thing that I would have done is I, is I wouldn't have jumped on some opportunities and I wish I would have, again, checked in with myself and asking, is this coming from a heart space because I really believe in it? Or is this coming from a place in, in my sacral region where my desires and my cravings and my addictions and, you know, those things, right? Where am I leading with this? You know, I can translate that into business opportunities, you know, with the virus and everything else. There were certain relationship opportunities present, presented to myself. And I even yeah, embarked on. <laughs> yeah. <I'm just> <laughs> I mean, I'm embarking on you know different excursions with different people, right? Even yeah. though it may have not have not been coming from my heart space, mm. it was more coming from a desire and a craving and something to just fill some type of void that I was feeling in that moment and being alone. Mm. And I I would have asked for more help. Like I had several people offer their help, hmm. but I didn't take any of it. And for that, I became yeah. inconsistent. I became scattered and I didn't, I didn't do the best job with my time management. You spread yourself too thin a little bit. Right. Yeah. But now like coming back to it, I was actually really thankful for that experience because now with Arizona just now kind of entering this new phase, mm -hmm. I've now adopted a much healthier way to approach this and I'm, I'm downscaling to upscale, right? I you, know, you know what your capacity is. Right. And I've never been pushed to this limit before. I've always just done this and done this and done this and done this and I've always, I shouldn't say always, but I've always pushed through I've always had a certain level of success. I'm not saying I succeeded every time. I had plenty of failures. Yeah. You know, but I really got a, a good idea of my capacity. And I really had a, a, an amazing opportunity to distinguish and have the discernment of what my threshold is and what my capacity is. Because the two are very different. Mm -hmm. The threshold was met a long time ago. But I pushed myself to my capacity. 
So now I'm pulling myself back down and I'm downscaling under my threshold limit again in yeah. order for me to be happy and fulfilled and energized. Yeah. So like those are the things that I've taken away from it. It's like that level of that, that perfect level of stress. Right. <laughs> but how will we ever know if we don't exceed it? We have to push ourselves to that, to that, to that point sometimes. Now you know what your capacity is and you know that, oh, okay, I, I can handle a lot, but I might have bit off a little bit more than I can chew. But look at how much I can handle and succeed and thrive in that place. Right. That's beautiful, brother. Um, are, you, are there any like challenges that you're facing right now moving forward? Anything, anything that you're, yeah, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I'm in this very gray space and I'm a very black and white person, right? If I'm seeing somebody, if I'm in relationship with somebody, if we establish we are in a relationship, Mm then all of the factors and conditions of a relationship creep in. But if we're not, and we're operating in this gray space, I'm very on the white side where it's like, I'm not going to give you as much yeah. because it's not established. Right. Mm. And this, now I kind of see this happening with myself and my business to where, you know, during this quarantine, there was a lot of healing that happened. I can, I can probably say there was more healing in eight weeks than in the last eight years just because there was a lot of resolution with, with men in my life. There's a lot of healing around that aspect and all of it just came in and I just started getting all these downloads and and now I'm being called into coaching men and, and I feel that, but now I'm in this gray space in this challenging space where Mm -hmm. if I want to lead men, if I want to facilitate and hold space, if I want to guide men, in the right direction, I have a general rough outline, but now it's having the knowledge and the experience in this field that I'm going to be moving into to carry forward. Mm-hmm. So now, again, like we were discussing before we started recording, I'm I'm in this place as as a you know a mobility and movement and, and flow and training. Right, I'm in this very physical space. And that's how I serve and I'm helping a lot of people and I'm still happy and I'm very fulfilled. But now I can also see the end of the tunnel of where I want to go. So now the challenge is looking through that tunnel and seeing all the black and getting enough lights through the tunnel to make it all the way through. And now it's just plugging the pieces in for me to get from the point I'm at now to the point I want to be. And not disregarding everything I have now, but having more gratitude. How do you integrate it? Exactly. But it's like how to integrate it, how to transition, and then how to create, you know, systems and structures behind it for it to operate efficiently and for it to really create tremendous impact and and bring massive amounts of value. Because that's like, I will not do something unless it carries value and impact. And for me to deliver maximum amounts of value and, and create tremendous impact, I need to have the right tools in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. I didn't just start doing DNS with people yeah. off the off the off the start without going to DNS. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted to educate myself, I wanted to have the experience within it, and I also wanted to have the practical application. So that way when somebody saw me for a specific reason, they walked out feeling happy and successful and fulfilled and happy that they invested in not only me, but themselves. Because that's the experience that I want everybody who I work with to have. So, you know, to kind of take this very easy question, kind of draw it out in a longer way, the, the biggest challenge is, is accessing the resources mm. and then implementing them and then creating everything that I want around those things. So now I'm in the gray space where now it's just the time that it's going to take and the things that I have to do now, right? To stay on living, to support my children, to support myself and to serve those who I currently work with. 
And then it's also gaining knowledge and gaining experience mm-hmm. and applying all these things over time to then get to that point because I'm not just going to rush in and jump into something. Because you learned that already. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you're, so you're starting, you know, it's like these mini hero's journeys in a way. Like you started 100%. this, you started this, this new venture ish before the quarantine happened, a a huge level of growth, expansion, healing, all of this. Now it's coming full circle and now you're ready to start a new venture again. And instead of just diving in head first, you're taking a moment to kind of sit back, visualize it, visualize actually what you want, identify the resources and then put them in place. Right. And working smarter, not harder. Absolutely. And, being able to self-assess <laughs> myself. What's your capacity? What's your exactly. threshold? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I've seen it in myself and I've also seen it in other people where, you know, if they want to pursue something awesome, but a lot of people and what we've seen in the quarantine with a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses failed, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. But a a lot of those businesses also failed is because they didn't have a strong foundation to stand upon mm. and they didn't have a backup plan for the backup plan. Yeah. They didn't have their, um, their developmental movements down, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. They tried to squat before they could roll. <laughs> they didn't have a bail plan. <laughs> you gotta have that foundation first. Right? Yeah. So, that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing is I just, I'm not in any rush. I'm 27 years old. I've now identified Damn, my, my you're purpose. You're younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've identified what my purpose is. And however long it takes me to get there, I'm not, I don't want to put a time on it. I don't want to put an expectation or attach myself to a result. I just really want to experience it and sit with it and, and learn as much as I can and, and gather all of my resources Right, so that way, when it's time, I can step into that, but I can step into it powerfully, because I don't want to step into this arena that is a very foreign arena right now, and it's something that is definitely needed. Absolutely. But there are also men I currently work with who I'm also already have been implementing this with, because these are yeah. this is stuff that's been coming to me for several years. It just slapped me in the face and yeah. said, you need to do this. It's, it's time to start and, developing this. And you've already been doing it, but now it's like, okay, how can I take it to the next level and show up? But like you were saying, and, and this, is, this is a big thing that I noticed for myself and, and other people that I work with, it's like, what season are you in? Are you in a winter? Is it time to go inward? Is it time to you know, stack resources and, and, um, you you know, or, or is it time to spring and expand? And, you know, and we can't be doing that all the time. We can't be in spring all the time. We can't be in summer all the fucking time or we're just going to blow ourselves out. Yeah. So it's like, it sounds like you have a beautiful awareness around what season that you you're in so that when it is time come springtime, you're able to fully expand and fully bloom right into that and I would say yeah my, my last spring season that I, that I was in you know that's where I was going to all these courses and learning all the things and then my summer season hit and I'm just now coming out of the summer but it's like I with the quarantine it's like it skipped me past fall yeah now right? it's time to expand and now it's back in winter yeah you know I'm a very inward person so I don't think like sitting in meditation for an hour is really needed, but it's time for me to gather my resources. It's time for me to minimize my expenses. It's time for me to learn the things that I want to learn and invest smartly in the things I want to learn. I don't need to go and get 12 different certifications like I did my last spring. And that was my next question for you is like, what, what is it do you want to learn right now? Yeah. Like, is there anything specific or are you doing? Mm -hmm. So as the, 
the topic of this, this conversation is clearly self-assessment. Yeah. You know, the next course I'm going to for, for the training side is the FRA, the functional range assessment, where we learn how to use cars as assessment. We have different table tests and mm-hmm. things like that. So that way I can start transitioning a lot of what I'm doing in person to the online space, but then offer a course or a service or a program that has a built-in self-assessment tool for them. So that way people can have access to something where instead of coming to see me for an assessment, they can do it themselves. They can do it themselves. And based on the assessment results, this is the programming that we that we're gonna come up with. Right? And I'm gonna not go into very super, super detailed specifics of that, but it's gonna be an application of everything I've learned rather than just from one system. I'm gonna compile all of my systems to create a program that is that is manageable, that's efficient, that's effective, and something that's realistic, but something that they can also over time measure, you know, not only from a, a degrees of range of motion or from a zone perspective, but from an inward perspective. Because I do want to bring the aspect of checking in with ourself and getting out of our head and into our body mm-hmm. and having a more felt experience rather than a metric-based system to gauge our 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 result. So that's something there. But right now I'm actually enrolled in, and I have been enrolled in, this is actually the second time I'm going through it. And I might even go a third time through it because I get unlimited access to the course as long as I pay for it, is it's the Psycho-Spiritual Transformational Coach for Addiction Recovery. Mm. And it's looking at the nature of addiction. It's actually addressing a lot of the things that, you know, AA or NA doesn't teach. And it's, you know, the connection to source and where the, the nature of addiction comes in and the personality of addiction and how it's human nature to have addiction. But I want to bring that element just coming from being a recovering addict for almost 10 years myself now, Yeah, you know, looking at, wow, like, when we wake up and roll over and we check our Instagram, that's an addiction. When we get into our downward spirals and we get into our negative self-belief and our negative self-talk, that's an addiction. So how can we create an individualized roadmap to recovery Mm. to optimize ourselves through mind, body, and soul? So it's bringing a psycho-spiritual addiction recovery component into the men's coaching. And then the course I'll be going through is, is through the Sacred Sons program, the EMC and the EMX and the facilitator training to then understand and, and how to create from that place, but bringing the coaching element of really optimizing ourselves and removing, and not so much removing, but more so being able to work with all of our unhealthy patterns, all of our unhealthy addictions, all of our unhealthy ways of being with a foundation of health and wellness, with training and primal movement and learning to explore our ranges and explore our body and explore ourselves. So it's now bringing a very spiritual aspect to our recovery, to our healing process, into the physical with our training and with our nutrition, with how we move our bodies and then bringing all of those things together to create my program. So my program for men is not only just gonna be this transformational coaching program, they are gonna get a training program. They are going to get you know, one-on-one coaching and, and the, the full transformation aspect. And then I'm also building a community of men where they can have these experiences and they can have, you know, eventually workshops and seminars and retreats. I'm looking 10 years down the road. So these things that I'm, I'm compiling right now, these resources that I'm gathering are going to give me all the tools that I need to get through the next 10 years of what I want to build. And as I'm learning along the way, of course, for sure. But these are just the foundational components of everything that I need. So that way I can build what I want to build to make something accessible. And so that way I can take everything in my head training and I can put it in a digestible format online. That way people don't have to come see me and now I can spend the time that somebody would be coming and see me. Now I can use that time to to learn these other tools and gather these other resources 
And then now, you know, after this winter, being able to move into my spring and start creating and start expanding on that. And then once everything is, is feeling right. And I know when it'll come because you know, it'll, it'll come and I'm going to feel all of it. And when that happens, then the summer begins. Damn brother. That is, I cannot wait to see what unfolds from this and the, um, the all of the aspects of of that you're drawing together and the alchemy that's going to take place from this because yeah it, it seems like it's going to it's it's needed more now more than ever is there any is there like what drew you to the men's work specifically is it like some self stuff or it, has there been anything recently that's kind of that caused you to like shift that hey I, I I feel like I want to start working with men specifically yeah I mean it's definitely comes from self you know just coming from a, a home where I never felt safe with my father and throughout my adolescence being being in martial arts and you know never really getting along with other people on the team and being bullied in school and all these other things that I've gone through going through the military and having a brotherhood but then being medically discharged and having it taken away from me and then going into bodybuilding right and I was on my own again you know it's like I've had this yo-yo effect of, of men in my life like they're in they're out they're in they're out they're in they're out and I've never had a consistent base yeah where there was a man I could come to and be like, hey man, I need you. And I feel like if I would have had that growing up, I wouldn't have had to experience or I wouldn't have experienced as much pain as I did coming from abuse and coming from addiction and coming from the military and all these other things that have happened in my life. This is this has been a download probably since I was two years old from when my older brother was beating me as a child. I've never had a safe space with men and I can even go back into the womb. I can go into past yeah. lifetimes. I can go on all these things, but it's just something that I never had. And for the last almost two years now, I've, I've had a, a consistent mentor and just seeing the amount of growth that I've been able to accomplish while always having that continuous base of support was something that I am going to be forever grateful of. And he will be my forever friend. This man will stand up at the altar with me at my wedding. Mm. But it also allowed me to reflect on the ways I wasn't showing up for men in my life and how I wasn't showing up for my little brother as much as I want, as I probably should have growing up. You know, and then being in the training industry, it's always been about competition over collaboration. Mm. It's always been, well, you can't see them because they might take you, right? There's this like fear effect and there's this alpha mentality in the fitness industry where I've seen in men, there's a lot of just alpha nature. We're saying, I'm the best, come see me. I'm the best, come see me. Look what I can do. Yeah. Look what I can see. You know what I mean? So yeah, those guys over there don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I've seen and observed that. And when I first started training, I was that. Mm-hmm. I was the egotistical bodybuilder. He thought I was the toughest and hottest shit. And after my hand injury, I realized I really am not shit at all. And then doing all of the inner work that I have because I just dove into the black hole of work, if you want to put it that way. And I went so deep, so intensely, so quickly, because that's just how I operate, that I realized and learned so much about myself and I healed so many different wounds around that, that now in the place that I'm in, you know, I can say that I've been doing 20 years of work, if you want to count therapy as a kid, all the way moving through up until now. Yeah. You know, and seeing, you know, how I could have wound up even just with the two men that I've been, you know, 
coaching now, you know, they're in my beta, right? I wrote an outline for my program, and based on that outline, we're running through the curriculum based on their experience. And just the breakthroughs that they've had, it, it, it just shows me, like, I've felt so many different degrees of pain that I understand now what it takes to create those same degrees of pain, but express them in degrees of freedom. And me being a very emotional man, and me being a very, you know, intuitive human, I should say, I feel like this is the right thing to do. Because again, it goes back to my own journey and everything that I've been through and some people laugh because you're only 27, but at the same time, you've gone through a lot. I have seen <laughs> so much yeah. and I'm still here today. And the fact that I can look at all of those things and say, they didn't happen to me. They happened for me. Mm-hmm. Now I know why. Hindsight's 2020, man. Damn. <laughs> Well, I can say that it is a absolute blessing anytime we get to connect because you are another man who I know moves from his heart, moves with intention, is connected spiritually. And every time that happens, it is like iron sharpening iron from a heart-led space. So I can't wait to see what unfolds and, 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 uh, and to be a witness in your next chapter, brother. Thank you, brother. Yeah. I think that's a good place to, to wrap it. Um, we'll drop in on this again soon. All right, man. Much love. Dick, thank you.